Welcome to Special Situation Investing, where we help you jumpstart your research with our real-time investment write-ups. Today's show is based on a hodgepodge of announcements, earnings releases, and corporate events that took place last week. Several of the companies we've already covered were part of the action, and we thought it worth updating our thesis on the companies in question. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. Last week, Office Depot announced relatively flat earnings and revenue, $200 million and $8.5 billion, respectively, for the last 12 months. Revenue is projected to remain unchanged between now and the end of 2025, while earnings per share are slated to nearly double from the low $4 a share range to the high $8 per share range. Office Depot's massive $1 billion share repurchase announcement accounts for the change in earnings per share estimates despite static revenue projections. What does this mean for our returns as ODP shareholders? Let's attempt to answer the question with a gross oversimplification. Assume that margins, revenue, sales, and all of the other factors that will not remain constant do in fact remain constant between now and the end of 2025 when the 1 billion share repurchase is complete. In this impossible but useful example, ODP's share price doubles. This is because at today's nearly 2 billion market cap, the company would repurchase 50% of its shares outstanding, and the $4 per share of earnings spread out across 48.6 million shares becomes $8 per share of earnings, spread out across only 24.3 million shares. At a constant P.E. of 10, the share price would rise from today's $40 to $80 in 2025. A double in the share price over three years works out to a solid 24% combined annual growth rate, or CAGR. But let's not forget all of these pesky variables that we said would remain constant in our previous example. What if they aren't constant? For starters, even good news could reduce our returns over the full three-year purchase schedule. This is because a near-term increase in the stock price results in fewer shares being repurchased throughout the buyback period. As stated before, a 2 billion market cap combined with a 1 billion share repurchase would double the company's earnings per share. If in the near term, however, the company's stock price rose from $40 per share to $80 per share, then its market cap would also increase from $2 billion to $4 billion, and the $1 billion share repurchase would only buy back 25% of the company instead of 50%. In this case, earnings per share increase from $4 a share to about $5.40 a share, or approximately a 35% return over three years from the $80 per share starting point. A 35% return over three years results in a combined annual growth rate of only 10.5%, a much less compelling combined annual growth rate than the 24% per year offered from the $40 per share starting point mentioned previously. We now understand that an increased share price reduces the amount of shares a company can repurchase, which then reduces our earning per share gain and the overall return on investment. Ideally, Office Depot's share price would decline during the share buyback period, 
so that the $1 billion allocated to the buyback would repurchase as many shares as possible. But this isn't likely given the publicly announced repurchase plan. Because the repurchase plan was publicly announced, investors are less likely to sell at any given discount below the current price. Investors will know that the company is repurchasing its shares and will, if anything, demand a price fairly close to the price per share when the buyback announcement was made. In this case, the shares traded around $40 per share on the day of the announcement. Considering the variables we've covered so far, I plan to begin selling my shares as soon as I realize a 15% or greater return. Holding Office Depot for three years in the hopes of a 24% CAGR exposes me to a multitude of risks to include the risk of a reduced PE multiple, increased capital expenses, decreased earnings, or a failure of management to see their strategy through to completion. Showing a reasonable return on investment during a year where the major indices are down significantly is a success in itself, and I see no reason to expose myself to further risk by holding Office Depot through the end of 2025. With that short analysis completed, let's contrast Office Depot's massive share repurchase with Texas Pacific Land's proportionally smaller 250 million share repurchase program that was announced on the same day. Office Depot is set to repurchase half of its outstanding shares, and yet I'm happy to sell with a 15% return, while Texas Pacific Land is up nearly 100% for the year, has announced a mere 1% share repurchase program, and I plan to hold it for years into the future. My thinking behind this apparent incongruity can be summarized as follows. Keep the compounders and sell the workouts. Texas Pacific is a compounder that continues to improve its economics year after year. Last quarter, they announced a Bitcoin mining venture, and this quarter they announced a solar generation partnership. And all of these businesses follow the low-cost, low-capex royalty approach. The company gets more valuable with each passing year, and while the price may get ahead of the business at times, the underlying business is a rare gem that should be left alone to compound. Office Depot, on the other hand, is a workout. It started as a spinoff, then shifted to a private sale, and finally turned into an Uber cannibal via its massive share repurchase program. Any one of these paths will revalue the shares to a higher price, but the underlying business itself isn't compounding at a high rate and therefore is unlikely to pay off for long-term investors. While we're on the topic of all things quarterly earnings, Garrett Motion issued a press release stating that they don't respond to rumors, but that they're exploring all options to include the sale of the business. Apparently, the information was leaked and came as a surprise to the market, resulting in a significant rise in the share price following the 2 November press release. I bring this up only as it relates to the topic of this write-up. No when to hold them and no when to fold them. Garrett Motion is crushing its debt repayment plan and proving to be a very solid operator, but in the end, I'd still classify it as a workout. Meaning, that if the share price were to rise to the low end of the post-normalized capital structure value, about $10 a share, I would take my profits and move on before I'd wait for the company's sale to go through. On the positive side for Garrett Motion, Oaktree and Centerbridge Partners are still significant shareholders, 
and will only agree to a buyout if the price is right. Having the likes of Howard Marks on your side is a great way to go into a negotiated sale, and this factor should be a tailwind to us retail investors. One final update following last week's flurry of earnings reports, announcements, and corporate events is the completion of XPO Logistics RxO Logistics spinoff. RxO sold off substantially in its first few days of trading and now sits at a $1.8 billion market cap. That's just six times its $300 million in trailing 12-month EBITDA. With its CapEx light transportation brokerage business model, this may be a company worth taking a position in. Brokering truck transportation without actually owning trucks and warehouses should serve to insulate the company's margins from increased input costs in the years ahead. Well, that does it for today's hodgepodge of investment announcements and concepts. I hope that you have a better understanding now of which investments to hold, which to sell, and how to determine your exit point. We'll be back again next week with another write-up or investment summary. And as always, we thank you for your support.